We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Hot. I'm Bladen Kirk, joined as always by my two favorite co-hosts of all time, Matthew Sponauer and Theo Ash. And we present you the 100th episode of Stay Hot. It truly is incredible to be here. Um, we're going to talk about the Jazz. We're going to talk about the NBA play-ins. Got a lot of basketball for you today. And I know Theo wants to rant a little bit about the Patriots. He feels they're a little bit underrated. So we'll get into all that. But before we do... Matt, Theo, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit of a gag that Theo Ash looks like uh, every single person. And he has 100 different people that he looks <laughs> a lot alike. You've got a Twitter thread going. But I was watching L.A. without a map today, starring a young David Tennant. And I couldn't oh, pay attention because it really looks like Theo Ash is starring in this movie. It does. All right. I, every... <laughs> Who are some of the famous names on there? I've gotten Matt Corral recently. I actually made a video on yes. that. Um, so, yeah. I've gotten Christian Slater. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten Christian Slater. I've gotten who else? I can't remember everybody off the top of my head. It's been a while since I've added to that list. You've gotten a lot. Gotten I've gotten lot. Jake T. Austin from Wizards of Waverly Place is one. I've gotten <laughs> Justin Tucker. I remember I've gotten, oh, I can't all remember. It's, it's been a lot of guys though. And those are just a few off the top of my head. I've gotten Bengal from like, I, who I think looks a little <laughs> bit more like you, Matt, but I've gotten him. I've got, what do you Bengal think it is, is about like you that makes you look? Cause it's not, it's not like you don't look kind of like a lot of people. You do. I do. Yeah. No, people. they're not what, necessarily what, what do you wrong. Think it is? Well, there's a couple defining features about my face that really... Oh, I found the list. Okay. Jonathan Byers from Stranger Things, Ferris Bueller, Pete Davidson, Cillian oh, Murphy. Uh, 
oh, who's the guy, the like incel killer, the serial killer incel dude, like Riddler? Elliot Rogers, I think. Oh. No, not, Rid- not Riddler. The Riddler. <laughs> Elliot Rogers, I've gotten. Eric from that 70s show. I've gotten Justin Herbert before. Christian Yelich. Some Steve, of- Steve Buscemi. Uh, I've gotten the Onceler from the Lorax. I've gotten. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of people. I've gotten, I think like, who is this? Trotsky, <laughs> I think that is. I've gotten basically every kid on TikTok who is brunette. I have gotten, yeah, it's it's been a lot. I mean, you, that's, I mean, I mean when you think like, if you, you look the middle at, part. If you look at the Weezer like, cover, the guy I, I think know. who looks the most like me, the, the Weezer, the blue album, the guy on the far right <laughs> looks exactly like me. And this, here's the defining feature. The, the, like medium length brown hair, sharp jawline, and big lips. That is the key. All that's the defining feature. Very full white dude, brunette white dude with a good jawline and full lips. That is the Theo Ash formula, and that is how you look like me. That's that's the key. <laughs> You're gonna have people uh, on TikTok trying to trying to look like you now, Theo. Stat Come yeah, the Stat Muse account, the official account of Stat Muse on TikTok will tag me in random videos of just guys who look like me and just say at Theo Ash NFL, this you <laughs> Stat Muse, what are you talking about? Why are you doing this? I, I think it's so funny I, how much drama tagged, Stat Muse I, has on Twitter. <laughs> I think so too. And now they now have we got you seen hater the muse. That's like, yeah, hater muse and positivity muse. Which is I an wanted to do, muse has more followers. I was gonna do like Cody Martin muse as like a gag, and then just keep posting like Cody Martin stats on my Twitter account. But they don't have like a drawn picture for him, so it wouldn't work. You need um, you need neutral muse. There's positivity muse, hater muse, and then you just <laughs> and need the, only the most post when guys do all right. Like yeah. this guy <laughs> had 18 points today, and that's his. Season average. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, I don't know. Desmond Bain had had four assists today. Yeah, I, nice. might, I might make that. Pretty I might good. Make that. I think that would really be a, a, a good bit, a good account. So we're, if you're going to make it, you're going to have to make it by the time this, this podcast comes out because everybody's going to be someone jumping on it. it. But yeah, we could also have someone else do it and Jump just know that we, we're the ones who came up with it. But anyway. That would be a no, good no, bit. No, no, no. Daniel's in this. Daniel, our social manager, is in this recording right now. You know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, make sure make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is the 100th episode. So if we don't gain at least 100 subscribers today, mediocre. Um, but Theo, I know you wanted to talk about the Patriots. You think, you know, they're a little bit underrated. I know they just traded a third round pick for Devontae Parker. Um, do you think that helps? Do you think that helps their receiving core significantly? I don't know if it, it, it helps out a little bit. I I think that he is someone who hasn't had this type of season in a while, but is capable of being a number one and putting up, you know, 1200 yards in a season. We've seen it before. Will it happen again? I'm not sure, but you know, for a third round pick, it's it's I think an all right bet. He's not going to be super expensive, even if he like he's not someone who's really coveted that you're going to have to pay this big deal. So I, I thought that was a decent move. I'm a, I'm a Kendrick Bourne fan. I'm a Jacoby Myers fan. I, I think that wide receiving core um, is 
sneakily competent and and it's not so bad and I, I honestly think Mac Jones is a little underrated I mean I haven't we haven't been the biggest Mac Jones cheerleader podcast in the past we have not but he has <laughs> I don't plan on the baseline that. of of good play I mean the number one key is like can the dude play football and the dude clearly can like he has a good right. pocket presence he can avoid sacks he can read the field well um and he stepped into a offensive situation that was definitely better than the other rookies. But even if he didn't, I think that you'd see some some positive things with him. Um, and it's just Bel- they made the playoffs last year, and it's it's Belichick. And I don't know. I, I feel like that's a team that could finish ahead of the Dolphins in the standings, you know. And that's that's where I kind of think they're underrated. Is is they can they can beat out the Dolphins and and finish second in that division. And it's not underrated to a really high degree or, but some people have totally written them off this year, but I, I would, it wouldn't surprise me to see them have a winning record or be kind of sneaky. Right. Good. It's like a lot. I think a lot of people, cause we're going to start seeing people's like predictions come out for, they do the whole like win loss thing for everybody. Right. And there's so many teams in the AFC. You're going to see a lot of people have like, oh, well, everyone, you know, all, you know, every team in the AFC West has to have a winning record and the Dolphins will be better and the Bills are going to be good and, and a million other teams. And you might see, I think you're going to see people have like the Patriots at like four wins, five wins. Yeah. I think you're going to see them have them really, people really People are going to be really low on the Patriots. That's, yes. I mean, when you think about a lot of these other teams that, you know, people are predicting to be really, I mean, the Chargers didn't make the playoffs last year. The Broncos were seven and 10. Um, the Browns and Ravens both had a losing record. And, you know, those were for, you know, extraneous reasons, but the Dolphins missed the playoffs last year. And I, I don't know. It's like, I don't know if the Dol like adding Tyreek Hill and turn Armstead, obviously significant improvement. I don't know. I don't, I don't get good vibes from the Miami Dolphins. My thing with the Dolphins is this. I, I think that they could make the playoffs for sure, and I think their ceiling is high. But my concern with them is my concern with them is their starting point because they went nine and eight last year, right? And yes. but they started one and seven, and then they ended seven and one. And through that seven and one stretch, everyone knew they were fraudulent. Right. Everyone knew they were just playing these easy teams and they weren't all that. And they were like, oh, my, are the Dolphins actually going to do it? And it was common knowledge at the time that it was like, okay, they're beating up on these easy teams. They're not they're not real. And then they lost to the Titans pretty badly to had a horrible, horrible game. And they knocked themselves out of the playoffs. And everyone is like, okay, there it is. They just got exposed by a good team finally. So then the season ends and it's like, okay, is this closer to a one and seven team or a seven and one team like roster wise? Like what is the starting point? Are they really a nine and eight caliber? Are they building from a nine and eight place? Or even though that was their record, should we assume that they were closer to like a five, six win team? And that's the jump we're, we're asking them to come from. Look at the team. So looking at the teams they beat last year, week one, they beat the Patriots by one point. Which was right, a fumble like, was, at the very end. It was a miracle right, they won that, that game. And, yeah, and it's like, that was Mac Jones' first game ever. So it's like, how much... But they did also end up beating the Patriots uh, late in the season. Too, they at did. At the end of the year. Um, then they <laughs> lose, what, seven straight after that? Then they yes. beat the Houston Texans. They beat yes. the Houston Texans 17-9. to 
they beat the most injury riddled Baltimore Ravens of all time. No, this was they, before. This was that was their one quality win because Lamar was healthy in that game. That was, was a, just Lamar a good that game. He was healthy that's that game, week, and he had a really poor game. Ten. That was their good win. Hold on. I thought Lamar was out that game. No, he was not. Oh, he was very Lamar much played, and he had a hor- he had a horrible game. game. Yes. Okay. Okay. But the rest the rest of the Ravens were still hurt though. The yes, the, the Ravens, Ravens were definitely were very injured last year with their secondary and running back but, room and, and Ronnie Stanley. But yeah, yes, the rest of the game, it was him. like, read off, just read off the rest of the schedule. Yeah, the rest of the list. Jets scraped by, Panthers, Giants, Jets scraped by again, Saints. Uh, then they get destroyed by Tennessee and they uh, beat the Patriots by nine. And you look at like the teams that they lost. Like, they played the Bills, throttled by the Bills. Right. They were not a good by team. The Buccaneers. Yes. I They got they lost to the Falcons. So I think I we think need to that, go ahead, Matt. I kind of think that maybe this is not the way I would go about looking at the Dolphins. They're such a different team that I mean, yeah, they were 9 and 8 last year, but if we just look at what they are currently right now, we don't really need to think too much about their win-loss total last year. Right. Cuz if I think if you look if you look at every team, it's like, okay, well, where were they last year? And then how much every team is going to feel like they improved from where they were last year. I look at the Dolphins, like how strong really is that offense? I think that's, I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm putting too, too much weight on them going nine and eight last year with, I you mean, know, yeah. I'd say, I would say that yeah. them getting nine wins in spite of having, the worst offensive line in the league is pretty impressive and a young quarterback. It is. I think their I just, offensive line is a lot better and they've got really good receivers. Yes, I would say this. Yes, the Dolphins could make the playoffs. I'm not doubting that. I'm just also saying the Patriots, I think they're a team that made the playoffs last year. I still think that they're going to have a decent defense even without J.C. Jackson. Um, I, I, I think that they can pull something together. I, I still trust Belich. That's kind of what it come comes down to is I don't think he's I washed. I think like they can pull out some wins. If you look at their opponents, which is the like their home opponents, the Colts, I think they can win that game. The Bears I think they can win that game. Jets, Dolphins, Lions, and then you get tough teams. The Bengals. Uh, wait, no, this is dang it. This is not the right year. Or no, yes it is. Yes it is, yes it is, yes it is. Bengals, Bills, Ravens are the tough ones. The rest are all winnable, I think, in Bears, Colts, Lions, Dolphins, Jets. And even you can steal a game from from those three. And then their away opponents are a little bit tougher, but you've still got Steelers, Jets, Vikings in there. Um, I don't know. I just think like with this move for Devontae Parker... I, I think that people are going to totally write off the Patriots as just not having the star power to compete in the AFC. And mm-hmm. I think that they can sneak, sneak uh, a, a sneaky good season in there. That's they're all. They're not going to, they're, they're going to consistently be a team that you really have to go beat. Yeah. That's not, that's not a W you can write down. I think where the, where the Patriots have their star power is that they have Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick that's is still a really the, great the other coach. Thing. Yeah. That's the, yeah, that's the, he gets clowned on for not being as great at like team building. And being a GM with some of the decisions he makes, but as a coach, he always tends to get the best out of his players. That's really where I'm a little bit worried with the Dolphins. Is Brian? Fl- they did this with Brian. They went nine and eight with Brian Flores, right? So wh- yeah. what's? I don't know. I've you're, you're the Dolphins at, are like, a, a reasonably talented team. Change. Their their defense yeah. is good enough 
for them to yes. have a good defense talent wise and offensively they have enough firepower now you can talk about whatever you want to talk about when it comes down to Tua but I think they've got enough weapons where you're like yeah can this team win 10 games absolutely so then it comes down to how good McDaniel is as a coach and we don't really know that yeah um, so so yeah that's what it comes down to is like Patriots or Dolphins. I think everybody's going to have the Dolphins second in that division. And maybe I'm wrong and they're not overrated because I haven't seen a lot of projections so far. But I think the Patriots might be able to make a case. And I just touch trust. I trust their quarterback and their coaching staff. And that's what it comes down to. And I somewhat trust their defense, even though they lost JC Jackson. I like I like Kyle Ducker a lot. I think he could be a Pro Bowl caliber player. And just overall, like Judon is going to have another good season. I think he's been consistent for a while now. Anyway, that's probably all the NFL stuff I have to talk about. And we should <laughs> probably get into the NBA here, which is more interesting right now. Basketball. Um, yeah, I know you guys wanted to talk about the play-ins at this point and, you know, who you know is potentially going to make it. I know the Lakers recently got kind of bumped out of that range, but they're still kind of on the fringe. They could still get back in. They're not doing anything. They're not doing it. LeBron is questionable tonight. <laughs> Yo. It's, They're not. It's, uh, LeBron's like all banged up, and, and Anthony Davis is just coming back. And or, like, what are we talking about? Are they gonna Are they gonna <laughs> sneak back into the plans, win two games, and then go beat the Suns? And let's talk. And let's talk about the games they have left: Nuggets, Suns, Warriors, Thunder, Nuggets. <laughs> They're going to have to win probably four of those last five, three of those last five with LeBron banged up, Anthony Davis just getting back. The team probably, you know, maybe they just lock in and go crazy. Like it's an elimination game every time, but it's yeah. just tough for me to see a scenario where the Lakers are really worth even talking about at this point. And I think they even bring up the question, is the are the plans a good thing in your opinion? Because last year they happened, and I, and I I enjoyed the games. Uh, it was it was especially that Lakers Warriors game, uh, LeBron versus Curry when LeBron hit that game winning three to send the Lakers to the playoffs. Pretty much um, after he was mm-hmm. hurt all year, exciting stuff. And I was like, okay, I, I like this. But now, like with a whole year, and you've got these just horrible teams with a chance, like with a chance to knock off some teams that might legitimately deserve it for a two game stretch. I'm a little bit unsure of how I feel and maybe it'll go away when I see some great playing games and I get the argument. It's like, okay, well, if you're better than this team, go prove it and beat them. But I don't know. How do you feel, Matt? I like them. And I've heard a lot. The popular take right now is that, why do we have the plans? And I, I, you know, I'm not, I get it to an extent, but the plans are good. The plans are good. First off, it is more elimination basketball, which is what the NBA desperately needs. Like more, it's always fun to watch. The games are good. Like, you know, we had LeBron hit that game winning shot. Like that stuff is sick. Yeah. Now, as far as the the argument against it, it's kind of like with college football playoffs, right? Like the big argument against college football expansion is it ruins the stake of the regular season, right? Because now it's just so easy to get in. But with the NBA, it's easy to get in regardless. And I actually don't think that it does hurt the stakes. Like, for instance, instead of the six and the seven seed playing for, uh, you know, just like who you match up against, they're playing between, you know, being in an elimination playoff game in the play-ins and 
being safely in the playoffs. And that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, and then with, when it comes down to those later teams and the nine and the 10, it's still a big disadvantage. Like the seven seed to the 10 seed, huge disadvantage. We're talking about, you got to win one of two games versus you got to win two in a row. Right. right? So I think they're more interesting. I, I, I think that they, they make sort of like the six to 10 seeds more interesting it does keep more teams in the playoffs, but it doesn't take away the stakes of where you seed, and it gives you more good basketball. I mean, you look at it right now, Hornets and Nets would match up. That'll be a fun matchup. It's a 9-10 and 10 matchup, but that'll be interesting to watch. It'll be high stakes. So I get, you know, it's like, Jesus, how many teams are we going to let in the playoffs? But uh, right. I, I don't think it's too bad. It do, like it's on paper, it sounds like a lot, but it, I don't think it's too bad. Yeah, I, I agree to an extent, like, like... I'm going to watch the playing games, you know, and I'm going to find yeah. them very excited. Like when they're happening, you know, the meme where it's like bitches be like, can't stand <laughs> whatever. 10 minutes later, <laughs> me and the bestie. And it's like SpongeBob and Squitter. If, if you've ever seen that, that's kind of what I feel like <laughs> talking shit about the plans where it's like, right. Oh, I, I can't stand the plans 10 minutes later. Oh my God, what a game. So it's, it's definitely that, but it does kind of like, man, the Lakers are 31 and 46 at this point and they've, they're fighting for the playoffs. It's like, man, you could, you could probably just be eliminated <laughs> and I wouldn't care that much. I, but, I, I don't, I don't, but, dis, I don't disagree with that. However, they won't make the playoffs. Right. And like they're like, well, they, well, they should be eliminated now. Sure. But they're going to be like, but, it's very, very likely that they do. And the plans are not the playoffs. They're right. fighting to have to win multiple in a row against, right, right, right. you know, Timberwolves, Clippers, whatnot. Um, yeah, and for every Lakers, there's a Pelicans or there's a Brooklyn Nets or a Charlotte Hornets. Or like you can look at the West and it's a, it's a terrible problem, right? You look at the East and the plans are doing exactly what they're supposed to. Instead of the regular season coming down to the last couple of games to decide this eighth spot between the Hawks, the Hornets, and Nets, who are all interesting teams. Nets, obviously, probably more than the Hawks or the Hornets. But we have the Nets, who are a major contender, a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yes. And my Charlotte Hornets. Instead of <laughs> Most ha- importantly. Instead of having it be where, oh, well, one of them's going to... That's not the case. There's still an advantage to being the eighth seed. They're playing. The regular season matters. Whoever's the eight seed gets to only has to win one or two games. But now instead of wondering, oh man, what if the Hornets had gotten one more shot to fall in the regular season, they still have a chance to make the playoffs or the Nets still have a chance to make the playoffs. And all those teams have winning records. So I think they all do deserve a chance to at least, even if it's a tough road, a chance to at least make the playoffs. So I think the plans are really good. Yeah. All right. I can get down with that. I definitely think, I, I definitely think like if you're looking, if you're looking for a team, like, okay, if we want to go back, like, just a little bit to the NFL, and you think about, like, oh, everyone's talking about how good the AFC is, right? And you're like, oh, well, now if we had, you know, eight teams that are fighting for these playoff spots, you're like, okay, that Chargers, that Chargers Raiders game at the end of the. Oh, yeah, if like, we did have, if you have it. Eight, oh, yeah, eight, yeah, yeah. Eight teams, okay. You have eight teams fighting for a playoff spot. That Chargers Raiders, that Chargers Raiders game at the end of the season isn't like a game to decide the playoffs. That's just a play-in game. Right. And I think that's kind of the idea. And I think that's, I think that's, I, I, I don't know. I like it. I, I, I do. It's easy to look at the Western conference where it's 
three teams with losing records. But you look at the Eastern Conference and it's four teams with winning records. And all, I really do think all of them deserve to be maybe not in the playoffs, but at least playing to get to the playoffs and having those elimination games. And it's like, is Brooklyn going to be able to win back-to-back games? And it's like, do you feel like the stakes are low right now? Absolutely not. We're right. watching every single game of these guys because any one game can flip the seedings from being the 10 seed to the 8 seed, which is a huge deal. So and I really it, like it. It does kind of flip the threat. Like it almost creates two thresholds to look out for. Exactly. When it, exactly. When it, the 7 and the 6 seed and also the 11 and the 10 seed. So it really does, I guess, now that I think about it, feel that you know, there is more stakes because there's not only the teams fighting, you know, down at the bottom in the, uh, in the 11, 10 type of type of spot, but there's also that battle going on in the six, seven spot, which usually just was a pretty safe place to be. So yeah, I can get talked into the, to them being good, but it does, it does feel a little bit weird when you've got teams like 14 games under 500, but I digress. Let's talk about the physical teams in the plans and which ones we think are actually going to make it into the playoffs. And right Do now... Let's start in the East? Or the- let's start in the West, because I have it out in front of me. <laughs> okay. The, All right. Well, in the Western West. Conference, you Just have... You, it's not set. The Nuggets could very well fall into the seventh seed. It's not impossible. However, they're two games up on the Timberwolves, yes. and we're kind of getting down to it, where a two-game lead is, is, is serious work. It would be a so choke the five teams right to talk now, about yeah. are the Timberwolves. It would be a pretty big choke. So you've got Timberwolves at seven, Clippers at eight, Pelicans at nine, Spurs at ten, and then Lakers at eleven. After that, um, the Kings aren't eliminated, but they no. You uh, no. You can talk about number twelve. You can talk. About, <laughs> no, <laughs> we can, but they're two and a half. They're three and a half games back, so they would need to like win out and have the Spurs lose out. And they're on a two-game winning streak right now. Hey, which means they're bound to lose. So <laughs> they're due. They're due. <laughs> We've talked about the Lakers and how difficult their schedule is and how banged up LeBron is that I think we got to talk about it as the Spurs are going to make it instead of them. And as many ratings and as interesting as it is to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers, I think we kind of got to leave them out of this conversation and talk about the Spurs, the Pelicans, the Clippers, and the Timberwolves. Which is before before you get into it, what two teams are you taking? Before I get into it, I am taking the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I really have to think about the Clippers and the Pelicans because here's what's interesting about I'm the West. The Pelicans. I might also take the Pelicans. Look, I looked at point differential, which I consider to be kind of a God stat. And when I talk about my March Madness formula, I've talked about it before. And it didn't, my bracket was not actually that good this year, but take from it what you will. But when I was trying to look at like what I was going to use to predict all these games um, last year, I was thinking about it. I'm like, I'm going to put together, I think, two just really good indicators of, of things, which is the first is point differential, because not only is it winning and losing, it also kind of punishes just scraping by. And like if you lose a big time, it kind of takes that into account. Point differential is a really, really good statistic because not like wins that are could be losses are not rewarded as much as like you just being good and just beating the brakes off a team or, you know, a win that a loss that could be a win or is is not counted as much. It just is automatically factored into all that. So I was like, I want that stat. And I also want strength of schedule because, you know, if you're playing the easiest teams in the world and you beat them by a lot. 
that just doesn't mean as much as if you're in the Big Ten or, or SEC or whatever. So that's the formula that I came up with. And then later I realized that this formula has actually been thought of before and it's called simple rating system. And it's actually quite a <laughs> popular statistic that people figured out like a decade and a half ago. But anyway, I digress that that point differential is a good stat and I'm not the only one who thinks that. Last year, the top four teams in the West in point differential, they were the Jazz, mm -hmm. the Clippers, the Suns, and the Nuggets, I believe. Or were they the, and a lot of those teams were the ones that were in the, they were the final four teams left, but except for the Clippers. Wait, yeah, no, the Jazz, the Clippers, the Suns, and the Nuggets. Those were the final four teams left, right? The Jazz, the Clippers, the Suns, and the Nuggets were top four in the West since the All-Star break in point differential. And those were the final four teams left in the in, in the East since the All Star break, post All Star break, point differential: 76ers, Hawks, Bucks, Nets. Those were the final four teams left. All right. So the top eight teams in each conference were the last eight teams left. Those were the teams that made it on the first round this year. In terms of point differential since the All Star break, it's Grizzlies, Suns, Timberwolves, Pelicans. Those are the teams leading in point differential since the All-Star break. So the Timberwolves and Pelicans have been playing better basically than any other team in the West since the All-Star mm -hmm. break. So I kind of The Pelicans lean. have been turning it on. And, and what, what it is is that people forgot a little bit that C.J. McCollum is actually like really, really good. <laughs> yes. Now, I have my problems <laughs> with the Pelicans defensively long term. But as a team, we're not talking about like them making a run. We're talking about them getting through the plans. They've got gas on offense. That team is good. Yes. Um, and I, you look, you look at the Clippers is, and it's like. I was just going to say the one that we always talk about is like teams getting hot at the end of the season. And I, yeah, that's a good point to bring up is like how, how well a team is going to, you know, be closing out games at the end of the season. That's a big deal. It's like, who cares if you're, you know, beating people bad early on if you can't sustain that throughout the season it doesn't mean anything like if this like the suns have had the best record in the nba all year right but if you know they they had you know cut off you know 40 games you know they did right know. they're you know we're, we're things seven, that happen in the beginning of the year still going hard things that happen at the beginning of the year don't not matter of course they help you get set up for the end of the year better but you really do want to be playing your best basketball at the end. So that's why I factored in post all-star break. Cause I don't really care what happened in September, but anyway, Matt, keep talking about the Pelicans. <laughs> no, I was just saying like, you look at some of the other, like, like the Clippers barring uh 40 point Robert Covington games, even with Paul George coming back, it's like, it's tough because he's just barely fighting to get back on the court as the play ins start. It's tough to get into a groove that quickly. I know it seems like, well, you, you know, you have him, you have him, but that team does not have a lot of gas on offense. Uh, even with Norman Powell, they've had one of the worst offenses in the league this year, pretty much. And I know they just dropped like 150 points on a Bucks team that uh, I don't think, I don't think any of their big three were playing. Um, but unless Robert Covington <laughs> is dropping 40 a night, I'm worried about that team on offense. They haven't been playing very good basketball overall recently. I want to say that they're kind of on a on a little bit of a skid. They were they were at one point fighting to be in like that sixth spot, and now they're they're not. Maybe I'm making that up. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I just well, something that's interesting is I believe they played the New Orleans Pelicans today. 
So that'll be an interesting that little, is interesting. that's a very interesting matchup and perhaps a preview, but yeah, the Pelicans, cause the Pelicans have more juice on, on offense than they do. Like even with Paul George, Brandon mm-hmm. Ingram is a certified bucket getter. Uh, I've been talking about him a lot and I think everybody, he's going to start to really be in the conversation as, as one of the best forwards in the league after, after the season. I really do. And I, I really think that he is. And um, yeah, McCollum, and I guess you could maybe say the same thing. It's like, I don't know where Zion's progress is. I would assume they don't have him for the play-ins, but like, I don't know. I, would I, I just think... Of, I would say the odds of that are pretty low, but dude, when this team gets Zion back, they are at the minimum going to be very fun to watch. Yes. At this team with the, the Brandon Ingram, McCollum, Zion, Valanciunas out there, I'm, I, I really like what they're going to be able to do on offense defensively. Maybe a little bit of a different story. And then there's like guys like Jose Alvarado on that team, which, you know, they just play like they're on a 10 day all the time, you know, and and he just kind of brings or Herb Jones, who's been Herb Jones has been really good, too. I I know he's been fantastic on defense for them overall. Yeah. Uh, And that's that's been big time for them. So I, I really like the direction of the Pelicans now. I am. I'm being very biased this episode. I love the plans, and my favorite team is always the nine seed. And all the Pelicans will make it out of the plans because that would give the Hornets an extra first round draft pick. <laughs> um, but I really do think they're trending in the right direction at the right time, even without Zion. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. And I remember Herb Jones is someone that they when they play the Suns they would put on Booker, and Herb Jones did a pretty good job on Booker, especially. Uh, the second to latest time they played, and it's like if they do match up with the Clippers. He's about as good of a guy that you want on Paul George as, as you can have. You know, that's kind of a similar similar thing, even though he's a small forward and, and George is a guard. You, you still, still can match me, that up. But Bring me playoff games from Brandon Ingram. That's what yes. we need. We do need that's, that. Uh, and, and also, it's just like, I know the Clippers are the Clippers. Like, if they were healthy, we'd be talking about a completely different thing. But I think... Just as like a, a fan of like, I want the playoffs to be good. I'd like to see the Pelicans go up and and see them maybe at least take maybe a game from the Suns or something. Yeah, we'll see. I would be if I was the Suns. I mean, they've done a good job on us in in the past. The Pelicans have done a good job on the Suns in the past. They got a game from them recently, and it's hard to get a game from the Suns. It's hard to win a game against the Suns, and they did. Um, played as tough this, the last time they played as well. So yeah, Pelicans definitely, that, they're my pick as well, Matt. And the point differential since the All-Star break, I think kind of reflects that. And if you also haven't noticed, the Timberwolves were also on that list and they were actually third. And that the, the way that they've kind of realized their potential and realized that when they lock mm-hmm. in, what they can do on offense. And it just... I've seen people know, like, whenever they play the Timberwolves, they're like, damn, this Timberwolves team is playing us like it's game seven of the finals. It's like, I've heard people kind of complain. Like, the, they took a game off the Bucks and, like, Bucks Twitter that I follow is like, why are the T-Wolves trying this hard? It's because, like, well, they have Patrick, they have Patrick Beverly, A, who's always going to go the extra mile. And uh, B, they just kind of, they bought in, and, and a lot of them have not tasted a lot of success, or at least Cat hasn't, and... um there, I think like Cat is playing a little bit differently this year, and his his energy is a little bit different this year. And they realize they they think of themselves as as contenders now. I don't know if that makes sense, but they're a team that we talked about before. I love the person that D'Lo has become as a def- defensively and as a playmaker, and how his game has grown there. Cat is having the best offensive year of his career. I think it's fair to say I haven't looked at the numbers, but that's sure what it seems like. Um, 
and a lot of their young players have have been solid starters we for would. them, and they've just been blowing teams out. They just been they they have just been blowing teams out over the past couple months, like putting up. 130, 130, 130, 130, 120, 110, 130, like crazy offensive performances. And I, I think they can at least win a game here in the play-ins, which is all they'll need to do. I mean, yeah, they're like, we, we can break it down all you want. They're way far ahead of every other team in the play-ins in the West. I yeah. mean, they're 10 over 500. All the other teams have losing records. Um I, I do kind of wonder with those teams, it's like, okay, well, they're playing, their intensity is really crazy. I wonder how that, how does that project poorly for them if they're just like kind of out intensing teams in the regular season and then you get to the playoffs and it's like, well, now we're, we don't have the advantage of just being more intense than everyone else. Um, I'm not saying uh, that's what's going to happen, but I'll be interested to see. I don't know. That. I think what in, intensity is an interesting thing because a lot of people think, oh, you have to like save it save it for the playoffs. You don't want to go too hard in the regular season. But if you're at a point where you're like fighting for the play-ins, A, you already have to play intense, right? You're already going to have to play intense just to, you know, keep keep at this, you know, level if you're trying to make the play-ins. But then also, if you try and save everything you have until the end, it's an 82-game season. You're going to be tired, right? It's like We talk about this in track all the time. You're running a 400. You're going to be tired at the end regardless. So if you're going to die at the end, you know you're going to die at the end. Are you going to die going all out, right, and die having a great season or a great time? Or are you going to die and run a 58? Or are you going to die on a 40-win season and, and you know, miss the play-ins and then go into the, or go into the plans and lose or go into the playoffs and lose in the first round, right? So, like, it's like you, you can manage all you want, but when it doesn't work out, you know, was it was it even worth it, or would you have rather have just gone out, gone all out from the jump? It it you want to be intense. I mean, obviously you're a professional team, and and you're going to be intense every week. But yeah, Matt, I do think like teams that and and the T Wolves are more than just intensity. They have legit star power, oh, yeah. and they have they they have legit. But um, I don't know. It's I think it's just refreshing to see a T Wolves team playing like that. <laughs> no, and I, I think yeah. that's been a lot of their problem is they've been kind of disjointed and playing with that intensity consistently. You know, the flip side of that would be like, well, now they're used to playing like that. They're right. I think that's like that. that's where I like that well yes. together. And that's definitely where you should be. I just I think it, I it has to do with team chemistry too. And it just like yeah. I, I think it's a overall a very good thing. And I, I don't think they turn the turn the Jets on too early or anything like that. Because again, they are fighting for a playoff spot. So it's it's I think that it's a good thing that they look this locked in and they, it's a good thing they look this good and it's a good thing mm-hmm. that they're playing teams as tough as they are and they're looking to run up the score and they're looking to put up a 150 every night. Um, I don't I don't think that it's really going to yeah. be like they're not all intensity. They're not just some team that's try harding their way like some bomb team that's just like try harding their way into the playoffs. I, I, I don't I, I know you I know you don't I know you don't like to talk about the deal, but like it's it's kind of momentum. I you know you put up you put up you put up a few hundred and forty games. Really you put up put up hundred and forty yes. games like that's gonna carry I believe, that's, that's, I believe you can momentum talk about game all the game. on the court stuff. They've got momentum. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you need. Yes. I will, yes. This is a nuanced conversation. <laughs> <laughs> momentum is I believe in getting hot like at the right time and like playing well obviously my take with momentum has always been like sometimes when you when you a bunch of good things happen to you I kind of feel like I think that's just what momentum is it's like a bunch of good things happen that's like 
momentum and right. it's more of a if you look i think you look at it more of a describing word i just think it's funny it's like this is what the timberwolves have been missing they just right. needed momentum they, they just need momentum. momentum yeah they're playing well <laughs> i just think like momentum can cause teams to take their foot off the gas sometimes because or it, if you get you you or, think the momentum will just or carry you. if the other team just got punched in the mouth they as professional athletes rise like that like kind of sparks them like if you just fumbled you're probably gonna hold the football a little bit tighter next time you know <laughs> like and maybe the other team is a little yeah. bit more so i don't think momentum always like oh if one team has momentum they're gonna win the game they have momentum going into overtime they're gonna win the game like baylor versus unc if we're gonna like baylor came all the way back just yeah. to lose in overtime even though they had all it's like sometimes like it does like yes it's a descriptor of what just happened but I don't think it's a good indicator of what's about to happen next because you never know when the other team is going to like put their foot down. And, and I think sometimes teams that go on big runs uh, either lighten up a little bit, take their foot off the gas or they run out of gas if it's a big comeback. But anyway, this is, that's more in game. I definitely believe in teams getting hot at the right time and being good and, and stringing wins together. That is, that is not what I ever say when I say momentum is overrated or, or not real. But I know we just we, we have to we have to we have to be less nuanced than that. Got to play the got to play the bit. Gotta One team we bit. haven't talked about at all is the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, <laughs> we don't really see them. They were in the play-ins last year in about a similar spot, and they lost because DeRozan looked horrible and and bricked all of his shots, and then they were bounced pretty early. Uh, this year, they're still there. Uh, they're worth a conversation. Um, I thought that they had the potential to be one of the best, well, the worst teams in basketball before the season because DeJounte Murray was their best player, and I guess I didn't think that he was really all that good before the year, but he is pretty good. And overall, like despite their lack of, of star power, they're, they're still here above the Lakers who have a lot of star power. And, you know, shout out Popovich and shout out the Spurs. They're always around and hanging around. But when it comes to like winning a game against the Timberwolves, I, I don't know if I, I trust him to do that or make it out of here. Oh, it's like, you know, March Madness or whatever. I, I do think the Spurs are probably not quite as good as the Pelicans or certainly not the Timberwolves, but it's a single game. And if you're acting like the Spurs, it's not a series, right? So in a right. series against the Timberwolves, yeah, okay, I'm taking the Timberwolves. In a game, well, I mean, it's a single game. We could be talking all this and it's like, you know, oh, the Clippers offense really bad, right? Well, Robert Covington dropped 40 last night. So it's like anything can happen. <laughs> anything can game. happen. I like a lot of their guys. I'm a big uh, Jakob Pertle fan. I'm a big DeJounte Murray fan. I like these guys. Um, they're well coached. And I think that bodes really, really well for them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't have them winning two in a row. Yeah, uh, their odds are probably against them a little bit. To project them to actually, to like, they can win that game, but yeah. to like pick them to do it is a little bit dicey. So um, that is the West. We've got we're sleeping on the Clippers, I guess, which could be dangerous because in a world <laughs> where they come out of it and Kawhi it, it comes back, it all depends back. on what, like with Paul George stuff. Yeah, right. And but why? Yeah, we're sleeping on the Clippers. They could be. <laughs> They could lose. They could not make it at all. They could make it out of the West. Who knows? They're they're a weird, weird team to judge right now. It's difficult. But moving on to the Eastern Conference, which is maybe mm -hmm. even the more interesting play in. We got Matt's Hornets. We got the Brooklyn mm -hmm. Basketball Nets, and we got uh, who else do we got there? I it's Cavs seven. Oh right, Hawks Cavs. Eight, Hawks, Hornets yes. nine. Nets ten. Cleveland. <laughs> you want to know I've what? Got <laughs> You know what, what you want to know what the uh, 
Cavs point differential post All Star break has been, Bladen? Uh, it's probably not want, very do good. I want I'm to guessing know it? it's minus sixty four, which is the third worst of any team that is contending for a playing spot right now. They have lost it. The worst team is the Lakers, but, the but Cavs, also but the Cavs are hurt. Well, yeah, Cavs they're still going to be hurt. <laughs> and guess what? This they is are the, still going to be hurt in the playoffs. They, their big advantage, uh, dude, Jarrett Allen is just not someone you can lose and it's just okay. It's just not yep. the way that it is. He is, one of the best centers in basketball. Is he? A, is he a, is, I mean, yeah, he's a top five center, right? He was made the. Let's see. There's obviously I mean, who, Embiid. Who, who are you putting? Who are you putting ahead of him? Obviously Jokic, Embiid, Embiid. Obviously Jokic. Cat are Cat. the easy ones. Bam. Yeah. I'd put Bam above him, but I wouldn't put Aiden Bam. above him. Um, Not I Aiden. Put Aiden above him. I guess Gobert. Uh, I don't know. It's he's he's close. He's arguably top five, and like, it shows. Yeah, like he's five, really important. Maybe six. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah, really good defensively. I think like what did he lead the lead the league in blocks per game or something like that. Plus, in a crazy good offensive rating as well, and someone who just is automatic like below the basket. So uh, he's he's what a, he's what a big tough center is supposed to be. He does all, all that stuff very well. Um, guys like that are just so important to the offense and the defense and all that good stuff. And you can't lose someone like that. And especially when you're um, a team that was kind of overperforming, like the Cavs were, and maybe weren't quite the 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 three or four seed caliber team that they were playing like at the beginning of the year. The Cavs kind of feel like the Eagles to me, where they were just a little little ahead of schedule, little overperforming. Um, I don't know. And you know, if they could have stayed healthy, maybe they could have, maybe they could have won. You know, got into the playoffs, but I don't even know if they would have won a game there. I I'll say that I I do they do have the advantage of they only need to win one, but I honestly think that I might still pick against them to make it, just because they are. So I I would have to look. I'll be one hundred percent honest. I don't know who is supposed to be back. Allen is like questionable to come back. So I'll say if Allen is back, yeah, I have him making the playoffs. If not, I don't. I think that's probably what it comes down to. That's fair. Okay, who's all expected to come back like soon? I we don't we I, I think Allen would be a stretch because like, his finger has Allen's been messed up. Overall, Mo- is Mobley in a week, still out? Like Mobley's still going to be out, right? Or is he? Yeah, uh, I think that he yeah, will be back. I but I could be wrong. No, there's he. They're not. Ex- okay, Jared Allen and Mobley are not expected to play Sunday but they are hopeful. Right. No, they are hopeful. So we don't know. We basically okay. are not sure. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It just seems like they've kind of run out of juice. And if they play the Nets round one, I, I just don't know. As far as the point differential goes, here's how it goes. The Hawks, 83. They're the first. They, they have the best point differential post-All-Star break. Then it's the Hornets at 60. Then it is the Nets at six. Or at The Nets at 20. And then it is the Cavaliers at minus 64. So as far as post-All-Star break performance goes, it has been pretty clearly like the Cavs have been a, very much a tier below the other three teams in there. It would suggest Hawks and Hornets coming out of there, but the Nets have so much star power that I almost kind of want Dude, I'm to... Not, yeah. the, the Hornets, if they match up against the Nets, I don't think they're going to win. That's God kind bless of them. <laughs> and the Hornets have been playing really good and they're getting Gordon Hayward back. That's not how this one ends. It doesn't. So, okay. Do you, you, you don't trust the Hornets against the Nets. Yes. Fair enough. 
but you, you do trust them against the Hawks, who were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. <laughs> do you trust them against the Hawks? <laughs> How'd you just... Bladen, I didn't say that. I don't trust them <laughs> oh. against any... I don't trust them against anybody. Dude, they lost by 40 to the Pacers last time they got here. And that's... That was the biggest game oh, they had played in about man. five years. I mean, it's just... I, I I don't I don't mean to be like just the stereotypical negative fan, but I'm also not going to come on my podcast and tell them like <laughs> like yeah they're going to beat the Nets. No, I don't I don't. <laughs> I, I do. I, I, that's that's bad karma. It's bad. Like it's I'm jinxing them if I say they win. But honestly, I mean, it just comes down to I I, I do kind of think that maybe they're not terrible matchups with any team that doesn't like have a great center right there's no team that is like okay like sabonis or 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 some like interior guy is just going to come back and just kill them um the hawks don't really have that guy the nets don't really have that guy so the hornets are probably glad for that because that's what they're bad at and if you're looking on the bright side yeah matt you're right and at least there's that well it's yeah and, and the other thing it's like if you want me to be maybe a little bit less cynical. I do think they have a pretty good shot against the Nets. But the problem is, it's just like I have a hard time seeing Kevin Durant and Kyrie not stepping up and getting like figuring that game out. As far as the Hawks go, um, Trey Young is a beast. I think that team is very beatable, but they're also trending in the right direction right now. Um, and Capella is, is, is maybe not as good as he was last year, I think, um, when I've watched him. But maybe that's me not paying attention. But I do think, you know, against uh, Plumley, I'm a little bit worried about it. And then with the Cavs, I mean, if the Cavs don't have Jared Allen and Mobley, I feel good about it. If they do, I mean, that's like a t- one of the worst possible matchups they can have. Outside of like the 76ers, it might be the worst. Just because it's like, I don't know how they're going to guard that guy. So I don't think it, I don't think it bodes well for them. Um, I do think they'll end up being the nine seed. And if they play the Nets... I think that might be it. Yeah, here I'm kind of betting on the star power, uh, which I wasn't so much in Chris Paul. Or not Chris Paul. Jeez, I keep getting that wrong. Paul, Paul George, George with the with the Clippers. And I, I think it's a little bit different because of just the the length of time that they've been back, you know, and it, it's just like the, the groove that they're in. And, and Paul George has not been super, super, super stellar since coming back. You know, he hasn't had any huge games yet. So... I don't know. It's it's. I'm betting on the star power here, and I'm I'm taking the Hawks and the and the Nets. Those are the two. I'm and that's what I'm taking I, as well. I think it's a really good. I'm looking at some stats for the Hawks right now. Since the All Star break, they are sixth in points per game. They're the best in the league at avoiding turnovers. Like they're like no other team is doing that right now. I mean, and they're be, they're the best in the league at that by a pretty wide margin. You look at all the other like the Timberwolves are number one in points per game right now but they're averaging 14 turnovers a game. Uh, well, we can look at the the Suns even, which are fourth. They're averaging 13. The Hawks are averaging 10. Ha- the Hawks, and Trey Young especially, is just so good. I mean, we're talking about a guy who is number one in the league in assists. Like, not per game. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, He's not number one in like- assists per game. He's number one like in total assists. He's also flirting with being number one in points he's 19 behind DeRozan so he, he might lead the league like at the end of the day he might of everybody in the NBA he would have more points than anybody else and more assists than anybody else 
That's I want a crazy pro, and I get that he's played like again. People don't like total points and total assists because it's a health stat a lot of the time. But still, that is a that is a big accomplishment for Trey Young. You're at a high rate. You're distributing at a high rate. You're staying healthy. What is there to not like? Right. It's like you're taking that's, care that's of the that's basketball. An, that would be a really strong <laughs> look. Trey Young is not in the MVP conversation, but. For you to be on a team and and put up more points than anybody else in the association, more assists than anybody else in the association, and doing that all for one team is is ridiculous value. And he is he is just s- still an underrated. I saw a list on ESPN that that had him not as a top five point guard, and I think that's a little ridiculous. Uh, he is bogus. <laughs> he is re- really really good, and and I like the Hawks, and I am a big Trey Young fan. And the Hawks, the Hawks underperformed, for, I think, for a lot of this season compared to last season. For compared, like coming off an Eastern Conference Finals, you know, debut, they kind of underperformed a little bit this year. And the only, and I would say one of the only reasons why they are where they are right now. Is because of Trey Young. Yeah, and last year they were top four in 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 point differential post All Star break, and then they had that Cinderella run and made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. This year, once again, they're top four in <laughs> in point differential since the All Star break. So they're getting just like last year. Ice Trey, man. They're getting hot at the right time, and I, I think the Hawks are are dangerous, just like they were last year. I mean, they're they're basically the same team. Um, yeah, yeah. Ice Trey. Going crazy I, um, in the going crazy in the garden like <laughs> Trey, but yeah, I um, there's some debate about whether or not Trey Young is going to make an All NBA team, and I've seen people will post like these lists, and it'll be like, well, well, who out of this list of six people do you kick out? And I forget who's on the list. He is All NBA for the record, like no question about it. Uh, just because he's on a team that is what the eight seed in the East right now does not mean that he doesn't make the All NBA team. He is one of the best six guards in the league, um, for sure. He's at least had one of the best six seasons. Uh, so, what the I, I would say, I don't even think it's worth a debate. If you, yeah, if you're if you're leading in assists and points at the end of the year, you're all NBA at least third team. Right. It's like that's crazy. Like that's crazy. That's crazy to do that. <laughs> like that's a, I had me and Matt. We both had the takes on the TikTok. Is like, should the scoring title be? total points at the end of the year or, or points per game. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with your argument. I just think like it's good. Di- I think it was like an interesting perspective and a good dialogue to be like, Hey, maybe we should just look at, at total points a little because no one pays attention to it at all. And it's like, if you start like the gauntlet of the NBA season and you end on like no one scored more points than you, I just think that should maybe get a little bit more recognition than it has. And right now it's DeRozan and not Trey Young. So maybe he doesn't end number one. We're talking about him like he's number one. Um, But they go back and forth basically each game. But whether you're number two or number one, he's still been crazy impressive this year. And um, yeah, Trey Young good. And I want to talk a little bit more about point differential because of the Celtics in the East. Their point differentials post the All-Star break has been 185. Ridiculous. The next best team since All-Star break has been the 76ers at 91. The is Celtics this just in the East or Yeah, just in the East. The- but the Celtics also the actual best point differential point since the All-Star game has been the Grizzlies in the West at 196. But the Celtics have almost a 100-point lead on the rest of the East since the all-star break in point differential which is a ridiculous number but they have been on a little bit of a skid since the rob williams injury and um that is one of the most impactful injuries of the whole season 
I think, just because of the uncertainty it casts on the Celtics at this point in the year. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts, I guess, on, on the Celtics and the injury? I, I know that he could come back in the second round, but it seems like he's going to miss the first round. Uh, well, if I, he can come back in the second round, they're in good shape. Right, because I think they'll win. Shape if you can come back in the second round, they just got to get past whoever they're playing first. Uh, I think Tatum and Brown are are still very good on defense. I think you know as as much of a skid as they're having, they've really only dropped a couple of games. It's been like two in a row, which they haven't lost to two in a row since like really early in 2022, which is why it's notable. But yeah, this this skid is not not something crazy like the Heat losing four in a row or anything like that. And I think even as we speak. Am I right that they're beating the Mavs right now? No, no uh, they're I'm beating not. Washington to the third. The Celtics okay. are up almost forty, though. <laughs> right, right. The Wizards. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. But yeah, Celtics good. Uh, just as, as far as we're talking about the Eastern Conference, I, I I really think they can make it out of here if Rob Williams comes back and and doesn't have any setbacks or anything. Um, the Celtics have just been on a ridiculous tear, and yeah, that's that's all I got to say is just pointing out that stat about point differential. The top four teams in the East overall are the Celtics, the 76ers, the Raptors, and the Hawks. So I don't know if it will be those those will be the last four teams standing, but watch out for the Raptors and Hawks to to steal a series on somebody. Like that's all I would say is like those are those are going to be tougher outs than maybe people think. Hawks did it last year. Hawks did it last so. year. So, that's all I got to say. That's all I got to say did about you, that. Did you guys want to talk about the Utah Jazz? I know that's something we uh, I don't know if we've got time for it. I think we can talk a little bit about the Jazz. Look, the Jazz this is the last hurrah for them. I think like that's what our main point is. If they don't make a deep run or, or get to the finals. Like, I just don't see a world where they run it back again after just running into a wall year after year, after year, after year, after year. I think that's just kind of what we wanted to say about the jazz. Yeah. I mean, they've lost how many of their last, I don't know. They, they went on like some crazy losing streak. I, I know at one point. They've been blowing leads. It's just been a frustrating last half of the year. As far as point differential goes, um, they are at 30. So it's not the worst to be at 30, but it's also not this crazy number that you'd expect from a championship caliber team. So like the the recent stretch of games, they just look so sporadic. So it's just like a lot of inconsistency. And I don't think that's where you want to be. Towards they just can't defend small ball and it's a fatal flaw. And if you get them out there and they have to defend the perimeter, it's just over for them. Like they can't do it. And that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. They, they, they have a fatal flaw, I think. And you can't have a fatal flaw. And I, I just don't know how the jazz who have never had big free agents really are going to be able to, add someone that pushes them over the top they're, so it's they're like, not they're 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 cooked they're cooked unfortunately yeah. they're cooked. and their defensive game plan is just like way too easy to counter um like for instance a lot of the blame when the jazz kind of fail in the playoffs goes on rudy gobert right because it's like all of a sudden they're not as good defensively but it's not really his fault like it's not that rudy gobert is just so bad from the perimeter that that's all teams do and they just abuse that and it's it's like that's the the thing that gets them it's not rudy gobert it's that 
if you go small ball, Rudy Gobert's on the perimeter and the entire Jazz defense desperately needs him to be inside because they, they're they terrible defensively. Their idea is to funnel guys into Gobert and they can't do that if he's on the perimeter if you go small ball. Right. right. So it's really, and like, it's yeah, easy. is Gobert great on the perimeter? <laughs> it's no, easy. but there's also a lot of centers like that and right. it doesn't right. end the, you know, in the world for other teams. Um. So they're just not built very well. Mitchell plays very good, but it's like they don't really have a path to adding another guy. So I don't know. I think they, unless they go on some sort of run, I think Mitchell's out of there. I think Rudy Gobert's going to be really hard to trade because he's making so much money. Like I've seen some people say, oh, that's the big move that the Hornets need to make. And he's a great player. They just can't afford him. They, I mean, he's going to end up costing like $46 million down the road. Um, and some, some team probably will end up not caring about that. That isn't in such a small market, but, um, I, I, it's just, they're in a very, very tough spot. They are. And it's, it's one of those, it's the question is like, would you rather be a little bit above mediocre and not get anywhere or just have a chance to totally rebuild? And I feel this like, is, yeah, yeah that's, the new Blazers. He's, he's, yeah, they're the new Blazers. Yes, they are. The or the new, the odds are that. Donovan Mitchell isn't going to just like stay there forever. Yeah, that's probably, probably true. Just tap out eventually. With all the, um, the, so the that's things, kind of my thoughts on them. Yeah, with all the things we've heard about frustrations between Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, and frustrations with even like the health staff when Mitchell missed some games early last year when they were the one seed, and then like I think Mitchell was held out of the first series a lot of the time, and and team was the team was kind of confused on why that was happening. Every year there just seems to be a little bit of drama between them and. They were Gobert shutting down the whole league or, or just some shit, you know, <laughs> like where it's got to be a frustrate. It just doesn't really seem like the team chemistry is where it needs to be there. It doesn't really seem like everybody's having a great time. And after they blew that lead too, I believe it was the Clippers, you know, Mitchell saying this is the same shit as last year, you know, same exact thing. And you can tell that he's kind of getting frustrated. And once they get bounced in the playoffs and they most likely will earlier than they'd like, mm-hmm. he's going to be thinking same shit as last year and the year before. Well, and, and then Utah also, and- yeah, Rudy, I, I, I don't mean to like repeat stats or anything that I, I see, but I saw one really funny, you know, Donovan Mitchell averages two passes a game to Rudy Gobert, not two assists as the, as they worded it, two passes, two passes. That's they insane, hate it. He hates him. Insane, that is an insane, insane number. This isn't uh, Stockton and Malone here. <laughs> this is not the. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, <laughs> this is this is a bad pairing. It's, it's it really it's, is. And I don't think they like each spot. other. I don't think they like each other. That's the other thing. I don't think Mitchell and Gobert like each other. I think they don't get along. And I, I don't know that because I'm not there. But just like the vi- it's just the vibes, and it doesn't like. I think a Gobert's not as. <laughs> aggressive as he should be and i also think mitchell just kind of doesn't like him and doesn't want to give him the ball because he doesn't trust him but i that, that's just me being slanderous i don't know if that's true or not but it, it's just it doesn't surprise me that that mitchell's not feeding him anyway that's probably the nba storylines that you know, you know you know who you know who does be feeding though <laughs> If you're going to say hello fresh, I'm going to say that we don't have an ad read today. We don't even need to be I, doing I, this. I, 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 <laughs> but it's the 100th episode. Our gift to you is there's no ad read today. Um, <laughs> but um, Blaine just hit us with a mellow, Madness. the mellow, like when he's not playing, he came in and almost took a shot. That's what it feels like that was. <laughs> so, oh, no, no, we're not going to do the ad read. Well, we have a uh, we we have our 
what is it, championship matchup for March Madness. And uh, no Duke. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're no absolutely Duke. right. There's <laughs> no Duke in the party. <laughs> I, I saw both of you were like, great to see Duke go out like this. I didn't yes. say anything about that. I did not. Or maybe I do that, not maybe hate that was Duke. Just Matt. It was I, just I, Matt. I've, I've, just got Matt. Some, I've got some Duke hate. And you're from Carolina, afraid. though, so it's, it's extremely valid for you to hate Duke. Although, I, I'll, I'll say this. I think even some people were taking it like a little bit too. It's like, all right. There's a point where you go from like celebrating you know, a team you don't like losing to like, I don't know if this matters this much to me, man. It's, I, 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 it's cool to see UNC go from an eight seed to be in the national championship. And, you know, from maybe a, a, a non-hater standpoint, it would have been cool to see Coach K as well in the national championship. Um, right. But it was a good game regardless. Shout 15 out on Duke, very good chance to be uh, a Charlotte Hornet. Yeah, shout out Caleb Love for scoring, I think it was, what, 13 straight points late in that game, uh, some key free throws towards the end. That 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 front court or the back, those guards for UNC have really been the driving force for them. And it's been a blast watching them. They, they, are, are, they look like NBA players. You know, they are good scorers at all three. They get to the basket. The, the acrobatic layups that I've seen them hit in this tournament have been just really fun to watch. So, and I've enjoyed, and the big white guy with the beard, man, manic. <laughs> I thought he had one of the ridiculous, one of the more ridiculous plays I've seen when he hit that deep corner with three. And if his heels came down out of bounds, it would have, wouldn't have counted. And for a guy that size to be that light on his toes and like come down on That's the impressive. on his on his toes and not go out of bounds like that was was super impressive. So the way he moves and his awareness and his range were all like on display on that play. I thought that was one of my I also loved the Duke player as he was coming down pointing at his feet and just the awareness to like know that that is a potential thing you've got to look out for. I really enjoyed that play. I'm like that's just high level bat. Like the fact like that instantly he starts pointing at his feet and and the awareness to like think that he might land out of bounds and for him not to land out of bounds. I I thought that was a really cool play to watch, but yeah. Yeah, shout out shout out UNC. <laughs> shout out Caleb Love. He's nails. Our championship game is UNC in Kansas. Who who do you guys who do you guys have winning this? I think I picked Kansas last time. I'm gonna go UNC though. Why not? I'm gonna stick with Kansas. Uh, we all picked Duke last time, which successfully jinxed jinxed the team. <laughs> um, I'll go Kansas. Uh, I think that they. You know, they're the one seed. I know that UNC is on this run, but eventually Cinderella runs do kind of have to end and there probably is kind of a, a talent gap, but it's kind of tough to find. I know that UNC had, what, zero bench points midway through the last game. Like, <laughs> I, I think that that lack of depth could get a little bit exposed. They have a really good starting five, a really, really good starting five, but, you know, it's been a lot of games. It's been a long road and, and I think maybe the depth will come back to bite them a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with UNC. They did beat the best team in in the tournament, St. Peter's. So, uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I I can see the Cinderella story thing with you, Theo, though. But I'm gonna just roll with UNC. More fun. I thought the Duke guy, Paulo Benchero, 
is going to be the first overall pick. That guy's ridiculous and about as good of a, of a Duke player as we've seen, it seems. Like, really explosive. I mean, he was just getting to the basket at will basically the whole tournament and and, and completing some, some just really, really acrobatic layups, shots, whatever you want to say. Um, definitely someone who seemed to like kind of a someone who you could bet on as a, as a franchise cornerstone with the first overall pick. He was balling this tournament. And uh, this this draft class doesn't maybe seem quite as stacked as the last draft class, and it'll probably be a long time until we see a, a draft as stacked as the last draft class again. But I thought I was really impressed with the way that he looked. But yeah, that's about all I've got I think this stacked. draft class is pretty great too. Yeah, um, it is. It is, but it's hard to be as stacked as last draft class. It's well, yeah, a lot of a lot of the rookies from from this season are, are looking pretty crazy. It's, it's yeah. tough to be like that, even when you have a lot of good prospects. Right, right, right. But yeah, no, I think that I would take him number one from what I've seen. But again, I have not scouted that that much. Not anyway, as much as you have for the NFL. Not as much as I have for the NFL. Which is probably going to be our next episode. We will probably end up doing some more uh, prospect analyses. For sure, um, maybe linebacker. Yeah. I've looked at linebackers. Maybe we can do. Some. Yeah, we haven't talked Devin about Devin Lloyd. Yet, so Dean it wouldn't be a bad. That's thing what I'm looking do. at now. So, um, so yeah, uh, I think that pretty much wraps things up for us. As always, sunset of content coming away on all platforms. Uh, again, wanted to thank you all for making this 100 episodes strong. You know, if we had made it 50 episodes and we only had like 10 listeners, I don't think we would have made it to 100. So it does <laughs> so it does kind of fall on you guys and it means a lot that we've gotten this far. Don't miss out on all the great content coming to on all platforms. We hope to bring you a hundred more fantastic episodes. And as always, from Corn Boy, Bird Boy, and Lemon Boy, we will catch you all on the flippity flop. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Hot. I'm Bladen Kirk, joined as always by the two greatest co-hosts of all time in Matthew Spinauer and Theo Ash. Baker sucks, dude. Baker is horrible. I think he's like literally a backup. <laughs> I do. He's not good at anything. They would agree. He's going to fucking kill you. I would, why, why do you have a Josh Cribbs jersey? Why don't you have a Josh Cribbs jersey? You're the odd one out here. Well, because Matt had a Josh Cribbs jersey on, but I, I didn't want to wear I didn't want to wear my home Josh Cribbs because Matt was already wearing a home Josh Mm-mm. Cribbs. So I had to throw my away Josh Cribbs. I didn't Would expect you, to see you in a Browns jersey, Spawn Hour. That's it. That's all. What are your thoughts on the Pistons right now? That's like asking a comedian where do you get your ideas it's like what what's funny to you right you know what i mean um <laughs> rock paper scissors instead of a coin toss put the game in the athlete's hand and win your rock paper scissors game to get the ball instead of choosing heads or tails and making it a pretty much a luck-based thing it's not ice cream if it's water-based it's a sorbet if it's water-based, or it's a popsicle if it's water-based. It's a sorbet if it's water-based. Yes, oh, they're two not. different <laughs> things. We got all of our boxes. To, I got mine today. No Matt, way you you're yours. still talking to me. Please read. Yeah, please. please. Read it. What right, you need to do continue. is get yourself an alternate Josh Cribbs jersey, and then all three of us can be in a different can Josh Cribbs jersey. you get an orange Josh Cribbs jersey? I'm sure. I'll look it up on eBay after the show. How do you, like, survive playing Madden, like, as much as you do? Because I tried, my head. I, I tried that. <laughs> they can't be cream if it's not milk-based. That is two different oh, things. Oh, look at Mr. Ice Cream Scientist over it's here. It's not okay, science. Okay, okay. Ice so, cream so, has milk in it. It's Einstein. like saying something's a sandwich without bread.